All right, at this time, very quietly, the kids are dismissed for Asbury Church Kids. So if you quietly want to make your way over, and uh, they're going to have a bunch of fun over there. For everybody else, if you have your Bible, turn with me, please, uh, to Acts chapter 12. Now, I asked a question this morning at our Dryden campus, and I was shocked. I wasn't appalled, but I was shocked at how many people didn't know what I was talking about. And I was like on the way over, driving over, I was like going, Rachel, you should see, people didn't know what this was. I thought, this is, everybody knows this. She goes, no, it's, it's a Midwest thing, and apparently Canada. Um, but has anybody here, or does anybody here, does everyone here know what the game Kick the Can is? How many, if you know Kick the Can, raise your hand. All right, so maybe it's a Dryden thing. Maybe Dryden, they just don't play games. But, but you know the premise of kick the can, right? So we used to play this as kids. We loved it. It's like, it's like uh, hide and go seek on steroids, so to speak. You have some people who are seeking people out. Other people are hiding, and you usually played in your, like, we played it in our, in our neighborhood, and so we had a bunch of houses and a couple blocks we would play it on. And there was one designated house that was the prison. So if you got caught, you got taken to prison. And so you had to sit there and you had to wait. And you had to wait for someone to come along to set you free. And the way they set you free is they kick the can, right? And they had to yell it, kick the can, poof. And it was the greatest thing, especially with all these people in jail. You could be like running. You might be like one of the last ones out and everybody's in prison. And there's people chasing you and you've been hiding. You've done whatever, but you're like, okay, it's my turn to set people free. And so you're running, and it could be people are chasing you like crazy, but once that can gets kicked, there's nothing like the feeling of watching all these people scurry because of freedom. It's a beautiful thing. Kick the can. Well, this morning, I want to talk about breaking others out. Now, Pastor Dwayne said I should come up with something like breaking bad. Breaking better. Breaking better. better, Right? But we'll talk about breaking people out, setting people free, in a sense, kicking the can. I thought about it too late, because you know what a great altar response would have been? Just to put a can up here, and then just have people come up and start kicking the can. That would have been fun. A little chaotic, but fun, right? Um, but, but I, I want to talk about breaking others out. Now, we're, we're in the midst of this series, uh, Better Than Good, that is talking about the gospel. So this is what we believe about the gospel. Paul writes this, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. That the gospel of Jesus Christ is for the salvation. It is is that work that happens that sets people free. If you remember, when we started this whole series, we read from Luke chapter 4, where Jesus stands up and he announces that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And this is what the gospel does. It sets people free. Now, I got some little people, not little people. I have some helpers this morning, little helpers. Um, so, I have people who are going to hand out some post-it notes. Everybody needs to grab one post-it note. Okay, so you just go around. They're going to just hand them out. If you don't get one, just raise your hand. But this is going to be an interactive message where you're going to need a pen that should be around you and a post-it note. So, you all with me? So, I didn't bring the can in this morning that we can kick, but we do have post-its. And so, I want everybody to grab a post-it. And this is what I, when, when you get your post-it note, this is what I want you to begin to think about. Who are the people in your world, in your circle, that needs to experience the gospel? And, and, and when I say experience the gospel, it may be that they have never made a decision to follow Christ. It may be that they're far from God and, and they just need, the, they need that encounter with Jesus. They need the gospel to, to, to save their life. It may be that there are people in your world that are battling. It may be that they're struggling. It may be that they're dealing with 
with, with, with different things where they're just overwhelmed by the darkness of the junk that's in the world around them. They can be going through incredible difficult circumstances and you're like, you know what, this is a person who needs the gospel. And what, what I want everybody to do this morning is to write down one, two, three, or as many names of people in your circle that you're, you're like going, you know what, these are people that I know that need the gospel. They need what Jesus is offering. They're, 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 again, it may be people who are, are, are poor because it says that Jesus has come to proclaim good news to the poor. And, and, and poor is, is not just a financial thing. How many know that sometimes we can, there can be a poverty of heart and of mind? People know poverty of character. We're just like going, God, we need you to do something. It, it could be that there are some people who, 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 who are bound there are people who are in darkness or, or people who are oppressed and they just need to know about the grace and love of God. And, and, and the reason I think this is so important is because the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everyone who believes. And part of what we recognize our responsibility is, is to be a part, a part of the process by which people can experience the freedom and life of Jesus Christ. So this morning, as we talk about breaking others out, we, we wanna, we're, we're going to focus on a vital component to see lives impacted and transformed by the gospel. This is a vital, critical component, okay? Now, some of you, you might be a little panicked about putting a name down because you're like going, oh, the pastor's going to make me go and bite them or talk to them. We're not even, even going to get to that spot this morning. We're just going to start with something that's that's super foundational and fundamental to see the gospel transform the world around us. Because how many of us recognize our world needs to be touched by the gospel? Okay? And so we're going to look at a vital component, and that is prayer. The importance of prayer for breaking others out. Prayer. And so my big idea is... is really a simple one. It's not going to be anything new. It's not going to be earth-shattering. But this is my big idea. Ready for it? Because of the gospel, a praying church is a powerful church. Because of the gospel, a praying church is a powerful church. So if it's true that a praying church is a powerful church, then the inverse is also true that a church that doesn't pray will never have the power necessary, needed, to see the gospel transform the community around them. Because of the gospel, a praying church. And when I talk about prayer this morning, we're going to talk about more than just, you know, the, the, you know, the, the simplistic type of praying or, or, or the, you know, the, the stuff that we do. Like, it's like dinner time and we need to pray. Right? Like we got to pray. We're going to pray blessing over the meal. Like, I'm talking about a character of prayer that's a little more intense and a little more focused, a lot more intentional. A praying church is a powerful church. So, we're going to look at Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 17. What we're going to do this morning is, is um, I'm not going to have time to dissect the whole passage. There's lots of ideas. I want to I hit on a few really, really important ideas that I hope will sink in our hearts. And then what my hope is, is then when we get to the end of our time, end of my sharing, we're going to take time to do what we need to do, and that is pray. Because a praying church is a powerful church. So as we begin, we're going to begin in uh, Acts chapter 12 beginning at verse 1, and it says this, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Now, now just so you know who this James is, if you remember, Jesus had 12 disciples. He called to himself 12 disciples. Of the 12 disciples, there were three that were a part of his inner circle. There was Peter, James, and John. So, so this is one of the, the inner circle, close, tight peeps with Jesus that's arrested and then killed. 
When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. And this happened during the festival of unleavened bread. And after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. And Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Okay, just want to kind of set the setting. Herod is king, and, and as king, he's not like absolute king. He's actually underneath Caesar. But, but as, as a king, he's got the discretion to um, enforce laws, to, to act, to, to execute directives. He's been given enormous authority. And it's interesting because the events that we're going to read about are happening during the Feast of Unleavened Bread or also connected with Passover. Now, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but do you know what else we celebrate at Passover? Easter. This is when we celebrate Jesus rising from the dead. It's that, it's that same celebration. So what we just did with communion was Jesus, uh, when he did that for the first time, that was the Passover meal with his followers the night before he was executed. But then three days later, he rose again, and there's this great celebration. So you can just imagine that as the church, now we're coming into the Easter season when it should be a time of celebration. Now James has been executed, and now Peter's been arrested. And it's like going, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? And I want you to see what the church's response was. It says this in verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying, was, sorry, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The church was earnestly praying. Okay, this is where I think this is fun because how many know kings have power? But how many know that the church has access to a greater power? And how do we begin to access that power? Through praying. And it says that the church began to pray. And it doesn't just tell us what they did. It begins to kind of express how they did it. They did it earnestly. They, they did it earnestly. And the word that's used there for earnestly literally means they were stretched out. They're like going, you know what? We are all in. We are all in on this. This is where we are leaning all our energy in all our direction. We're putting our, our focus, our, our intensity. And it says, they began to pray with earnestness. Now, not just mamsy-pamsy kind of prayers that are just kind of like, you know, God bless this food. This is like, God, we need you to intervene. God, we need you. And they're stretching out. So you just got to kind of, it's, it's not just, they're, they're just not kind of like, they're like going, I'll, I will stretch as far as I can because God, we need you. And it says that the night before, Herod was to bring him to trial. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. And sentries stood guard at the entrance, and, and suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and your sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak uh, around you and follow me, the angel told him. And Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. And I love this part. 
Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. He came to himself and he realized this isn't just a dream. How many of you are pretty sound sleepers? How many sometimes, like in your sleep, you know, you may not wake up well or easy? And sometimes you can begin to stumble and go through life and you're not quite sure, is this reality or a dream? And that's where Peter was at. But, but I want you to see that all of this was a result of the church praying. Because the church prayed, man, the power of God became manifest. I, I, want, I want you to know how the power of God is manifest through the prayers of the church. Because of their prayers, they were able to reach places they could not go. Not only that, their prayers released bonds that they could not break. And their prayers opened doors that they couldn't even imagine. See, I, I want you to understand the power of prayer. When the church begins to pray, how is the power of God manifest? All of a sudden, we begin to reach places we can't go. We begin to see bonds released that we cannot break. And we see doors open that we cannot imagine. You see, this is why we pray. This is why prayer is so important. Because what prayer is doing, is it's inviting God to move and act on our behalf. It, to, to me, one of the interesting things that Jesus will talk about, he'll say, hey, you know, before you ever ask anything, God knows what you need. But I want you to ask anyways. You see, there's something that, that begins to happen when God's people begin to ask. When God's people begin to pray, does God know what we need? Does God know what our world needs? Absolutely. But he's waiting for the church to pray. To pray earnestly. I love this. When this dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark. And just so you know, this Mary, her son Mark, is going to be the one who writes the gospel of Mark. Just heads up. And it says, where many people had gathered and were praying. So they, they're praying. They don't know that God has already answered their prayer. And they're just saying, hey, you know what? We're just praying. We're calling out because we can't do this stuff on our own. We recognize Herod's got power, but there's a power that's available to us that's bigger than us. And so they were praying. And I love this, Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. Okay, I love this. You got you to understand, this is a memory of the church that you could just imagine them laughing about. Anybody here, you just like, oh, it's Peter, and they knock and, and then run. You just imagine Peter, oh, guys, I just broke out of jail. Please let me in. Come on, shh. I don't know who's going to see me, right? And he's just out there like, come on, guys. Every time I knock, I'm making a little more noise. I'm drawing attention. And, and, and the servant girl is just running off. And she's like, guys, listen, Peter, Peter's at the door. And I love how the church responds. I love how the praying church responds. You're out of your mind. <laughs> they told her. And when she kept on insisting that it was so, they said, well, then it must be his angel. Meaning, he must be dead. Right? Like, we're praying for Peter. We're praying for God to do something. And God did something. And they're just like going, yeah, that's not Peter at the door. I love this. But Peter kept on knocking. 
And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. I want you to see the irony in this passage that even the church didn't realize how powerful their prayers were. Even the church didn't realize. I want you to know, some of you here, you may not be aware of how powerful your prayers really are. Some of you, you're a little discouraged because you've been praying for things for a while and you haven't seen anything happen yet. You say, well, my prayers aren't, they they don't go anywhere. My my prayers aren't doing anything. I want you to understand, and and, and this, this is why this is a part of God's word, because the church needs to understand our prayers are more powerful than we realize. That our prayers still have the ability to reach places we cannot go, to release bonds we cannot break and open doors we cannot imagine. I love how it ends. Peter motioned with his hand to them to be quiet. Because they're all excited, and he's like, guys, I just broke out of prison. Keep it down. Motions with him, be quiet. And he describes how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And then he says this, tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this. He said, and then he left for another place. Tell James. Now, this is not James, the one they had just killed. This is James who's... Jesus' brother who ends up writing the letter or the epistle, James, that we have in our Bible that follows Hebrews. James had a place of leadership within the early church. And Peter's like, hey, tell James. Because the church was praying and something amazing happened. And so it's awesome when you get to the end of James... James is now writing his letter to a whole bunch of people who've been scattered, not because they wanted to be scattered, but because life was happening, and they're in places they may not have wanted to be. And James writes down, and he writes in his letter, he writes this amazing sentence, the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. The prayer of the righteous. Now, I know some of you, the moment I say the prayer of the righteous, you're like going, dude, I'm disqualified. Because how many of you, honestly, you're not always the most righteous of the children of God? Okay, some of you are. That's good. (laughs) Some of us were like, oh, no. How many sitting next to someone, you know they're not the most righteous? (laughs) It's like so much easier, right? But, but, but so what happens is we can sometimes begin to disqualify ourselves because you're like going, look at me, I'm not righteous. Can I tell you, our righteousness doesn't arise from ourselves. Our righteousness arises from the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. For in this gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. That as we step into this faith adventure, beginning to believe that Jesus forgives us of our sins as we confess them to Him, as we declare Him Lord and follow Him, He makes us righteous. And you want to know something? The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. It's powerful and effective. The idea of powerful there is this idea that, that, you know what, it's an embodied strength. Like, it's, it's the kind of strength that is willing to get in the fray and fight. Now, you all know this about me. I love hockey, unapologetically. I love hockey, it's so great. You know what I love about hockey? Besides the speed, it's a fast game. It's a high skill game. Like, because I've seen some of you try to skate, and then skate and a stick and a puck and go in the direction you want. I've seen it, right? It's, it's like it's not always good for people, so it's, there's a skill to it. But not only that, um, there's a lot of um, bumping into one another. It can be a little aggressive at times. You know, I, I went to a fight the other day and a hockey game broke out. That was pretty good. Um, 
I remember taking Rachel to, um, or she, she took me to a hockey game when we first dated. And um, in, invariably, a fight broke out. And my precious bride was trying to reconcile in her precious heart how a person could be a Christian and play hockey. <laughs> so in Canada, it's great. So in, in America, we have church softball leagues, which are kind of fun. In Canada, they have church hockey leagues. And at the beginning of the game, the two teams gather at center ice and they grab hands and they lift up a prayer to Almighty God, giving him praise for the beauty and the good that has surrounded us. They invite his benevolent presence to, to rest upon them, to manifest and display the love, character, and compassion of Christ. And then by the third period, the language shifts and uh, it just gets aggressive once again, right? <laughs> But, but there, there's something about getting in the fray. Like, you, you got to get in there. You, you got you to, gotta like, rough it up a little bit. You, you got to kind of, you got to get in there. You, you just can't sit back and hope to win. You have to engage it. Okay, when it says the prayer of the righteous is powerful... The reason it's powerful is because they are a people that are willing to engage the battle. How many know that prayer is actually a spiritual battle? And many times what we're trying to do is we're trying to win a spiritual battle in physical means. But what we need to do is we need to battle spiritually so that we can see the fruit manifest in the physical. And that requires a people who are ready and willing to engage the battle of prayer. It's interesting. So with prayer, to battle in prayer, I just want you to understand, it requires strength and stamina. It requires strength and stamina, willing to stick to it even when it gets difficult. Now, the same word that's used here for um, powerful is actually used in another story that we find in Matthew about um, prayer. And it's when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. I remember Jesus, so the night he's betrayed, he has dinner with the disciples, then they go to the garden to pray. And Jesus looks at his three inner circle people, Peter, James, and John, and says, guys, come with me. We're going to go a little deeper. We're going to go pray together. Pray with me. And he's like, my soul is sorrowful even to the point of death, and, and he knows what's coming up, and he's wrestling on the inside. He's like, guys, would you pray with me? And what do they do? Oh, my goodness. It's late. Kind of tired. I had a good meal. It's kind of warm out. The eyes are getting heavy, and they fall asleep. And Jesus comes back to them after he wakes them and he says this, could you not keep watch with me for one hour? C couldn't you keep watch? Could couldn't, couldn't, you just, couldn't you just engage this thing for an hour? Now, this is huge because many times with prayer, it's like going, hey, we're going to pray. And so we're like going, okay, Jesus, would you just bless this? All right, amen, done. And you're like going, I got 30 seconds. Or sometimes you're like in church, like, good Lord, he's praying for two minutes. This is going on forever. And Jesus is like, couldn't you keep watch for an hour? Praying for an hour takes work. It takes stamina. It takes energy. Uh, again, in, in our culture, we want everything done fast and quick and easy. And Jesus is like, guys, listen, we need you to struggle and wrestle in prayer. See, I'm convinced one of the things that the church needs is we need to develop our spiritual muscles and stamina where we can actually pray for more than just a moment. You see, the prayer of the righteous is powerful. And the reason we can do this, I want you to understand, we can all develop this. And the reason is because the Spirit of God has been put into us. Our energizing, the empowering of our lives happens through the Holy Spirit. And so even when we think we can't do something, we can do it through the power of the Spirit. This is why this same word is used in Philippians 4, 13, where, it's, where Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can engage the battle because of Christ who strengthens me. 
You see, the, pr- the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. It, it, it accomplishes something. And this is why I say because of the gospel, a praying church is a powerful church. That when the church becomes earnest in its praying, when it begins to understand that the gospel isn't just about me, it's for changing our communities and changing our families, changing our country, that they become willing to say, I will engage the process through prayer. The praying church is a powerful church. And again, on the flip side, if my church isn't praying, it will never be powerful. It was Paul who wrote to the Corinthian church and said, guys, listen, I want you to understand the kingdom of God, like this thing that we're a part of, isn't a matter of talk. It's not a matter of just the exchange or the exercise of words. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. The kingdom of God is really about changing lives and changing communities and and, and changing, undoing that which sin is moving or creating or uncreating in our world. And I'm convinced that if we're going to be the church God wants us to be, we have to be a church which prays. You see, I, I, we, we start out with the whole idea of kick the can because there are people we know in our lives that they are in the midst of stuff and we're like, going, you know what, they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we're going to break them out, then we need to be a people who are willing to earnestly wrestle in prayer for them. So how do we begin to break others out? I don't have time to go through all my pieces in depth, but I'll just mention them real quickly. First of all, we need some boldness in our praying. We need not be a people who pray timidly. If you read uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, and verse 16, it says, listen, it, it, it says this, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I want you to understand, God is waiting for us to wrestle in prayer for people. We can come with confidence. You might say, I don't know if I have the right words. That's okay. We've got the right spirit, His Holy Spirit that helps us in our weakness. And we need to learn to come to God with confidence in our praying. Secondly, we need to actually engage the battle. Paul would tell the Roman church this, join me in my struggle to pray to God for me. We have to learn to wrestle in prayer where we wrestle in prayer, where, we, where we're just not like offering up, again, mamby-pamby prayers, but we're like going, I, I am wrestling with this. And what you'll find out is when you begin to wrestle in prayer, it begins to engage all of you. There's an intensity that begins to, to work in your heart and in your life. Sometimes it'll change your posture. Instead of just sitting, sometimes you're like, you know what, I need to kneel down for this one. Other times it's I have to stand up and lift my hands. Other times it's, oh man, I'm going to just... I'm going to pace back and forth. Other times it's, it's strategically moving so that you can say, God, in this place, I need you to move. When we engage the wrestling of prayer, you'll find out it's so much more than just a posture of sitting. Thirdly, we need to learn to declare God's word over the situation. John would tell the church this in 1 John 5. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that He hears us. Sorry, let me back up. It says, uh, ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of Him. So the idea of learning to pray God's will. If you look at the early church, when they were dealing with the wrestlings around them, you know what they used as their primer to help them pray the will of God? They began to pray the scriptures. So in in Acts chapter 4, you'll find out that the church gathers together. They lift up their voice and they begin to pray through Psalm chapter 2. And what we need to do is we need to learn how to pray God's word over our lives and over our family and over our city and over our communities. And and we need to say, God, help me. And you can't do it if you don't know his word. This is why we need to be a people that are in the word. 
so that we can pray God's will over our lives. It's the last thing that we need to do if we're going to break others out. So we, we need boldness in our praying. We need to engage the battle. We need to declare God's word over the situation. And lastly, we need to learn to push. We need to push. I want to invite the worship team to come up. So um, how many of you have been stuck before? Right? If you're in a car and you're stuck, you get people behind you, and what do you tell them to do? Push. Push this thing. Come on, push. And you're revving the gas. You're like, come on, push. Listen, for some people to experience victory, they need people who will come in behind them and begin to push. To begin to push. To, to, to begin to say, you know what, I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to bring some effort to the party for you. You may not figure out how to get all out of this all yourself, but I want you to know that I'm coming in behind and I'm going to begin to push. To push. And pushing takes energy and it takes exertion and effort because you recognize this person, they can't be in this place. They shouldn't be in this place forever. Stuck is no fun. And so you got to push. And how long do you push? Until they get out. You keep pushing until they get out. I remember hearing someone say many, many years ago, and I love this because this is connected with prayer, that you have to learn to push in prayer. He used push as an acronym, which I love. It stands for pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. There are people in our world that need the gospel of Jesus Christ to meet them. For some, it's an issue of salvation. For some, it's just there's an oppression they, they need to be released from. There are chains that need to fall off. For, for, for some people, there's a darkness that they're, they're, they're living their life under. And we need to be the church that's pushing, that we're praying, that we're, we're earnest in this. This isn't about just, hey, you know, I'm going to lob up a little prayer. This is like, hey, I'm going to join you in the struggle because I want to believe with you that God is going to bring you through. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And if we are going to be the church that God is calling us to be, if we're going to be the people that God is calling us to be, we need to pray. Because a praying church is a powerful church. Because when we begin to pray earnestly, when we, pay, when we begin to pray, with, we're, 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 man, we're in this, we're, we're going to wrestle this one out. Our, our prayers will reach places we cannot go. Our prayers will release bonds that we cannot break. And our prayers will open doors we cannot imagine. If we had time, I could take you through this story. This story is a convergent point that we are recipients and beneficiaries of. Not only do we get a gospel of Mark and a letter from James, but how the message has begun to, to move and, and change the church. So I think it's time to break others out. I think it's time to kick the can because there's nothing better than exerting yourself so you can come up and kick a can so you can watch people experience the freedom that they were created for. What would have happened if the church never prayed? What would have happened? What would have happened to you if the people in your life hadn't been praying for you? 
You see, it's prayer. Fervent prayer, earnest prayer that begins to change the world we're in. So this is how we're going to close. Worship team is going to lead us in a song. It's our opportunity to pray. So I gave everybody a post-it note and an opportunity to write down a name or two. So what, this, is how we're going to, this is how we're going to close. As the worship team leads us, I'm going to invite you to bring your sticky up. To pray for the people on your list. And when you're done, I want you to stick it on the table. Because what we're going to do, so Wednesday night, uh, as a, kind of our follow-up to this, we're actually going to spend a bunch of time Wednesday night praying together. And so I want to invite everybody back for Wednesday as, as we pray. Because again, if we're going to th- see things change, we have to pray. And so um, if you can't make it, we want your sticky here so we can call out names. But it's our turn to begin to wrestle, to begin to believe. Because it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that has the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And our world needs that salvation. Our families need it. Our communities need it. And so as the worship team leads us, I want to invite you to come. Just begin to pray. Begin to intercede. So Father, we need you. Lord, there are people in our world, in our orbit that we love and we care about so deeply. Lord, there are those that are struggling in darkness, struggling in addiction. Lord, there are those that that, that have broken off relationship. Lord, there's bitterness. God, there is such a need for your salvation to touch and change people in our lives. And God, I pray that you would light a fire in our hearts, that there would be an earnestness within us to pray, to engage the battle. Holy Spirit, would you help us? Would you help us in our weakness? God, would you give us strength to be a praying church? A praying people. God, we open our hearts to you. And God, we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to speak the name of Jesus Over every heart and every mind I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope Yeah.
Sing that again. Your name is power. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Yes, Lord. Break through three strongholds. Yes, Lord. Burn like a fire. Yes, Lord, your name. Your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life. Yes, Lord, break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like Break every stronghold. Yes, Lord, break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. Oh, yes, Lord, just in your own words, lift your voice to Him right now. Begin to intercede for your family, for your community, for your friends. Oh, Jesus, we need you. God, we need you. We need your grace and we need your mercy, Lord. God, we need your healing. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, we thank you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, I thank you so much that, God, you are igniting a fire in our hearts. God, we can't do this without you. Our strength is not sufficient. Our wisdom is not enough. 
Lord, we need you. Lord, I thank you that you have triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. That you're the God who brings life. And God, you see every name that is listed on this table. Lord, you have heard every prayer that has been prayed for them. And God, we are asking that, Lord, you would begin to reach places that we can't go. Lord, we're asking you to release bonds that we cannot break and open doors we cannot imagine. Lord, I thank you that it is your gospel that is your power for salvation. And Lord, even as we go through this week, God, would you remind us? God, would you remind us to engage the battle? To believe, to cry out, to trust. And Lord, I thank you that as we do that, you prepare us to be the witness, to be the salt and the light that you've called us to be. And so, God, we look to you. Father, I speak your blessing on your people. Thank you for what you're making us. We give you glory, and we give you honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many sense God's presence in this place? Right? How many know that God hears us? And he's the God who moves and acts. I want to invite you back Wednesday night. We're going to pray again Wednesday night. We're going to, we're going to take a whole bunch of time just, just to pray. Because, again, we have to, we have to engage the struggle. Um, I want you to know we love you. If you can't make it, please, please leave some names. We'll be praying over names. Um, as you go, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. Lift his countenance upon you give you peace. God's up to something in our midst. We'll see you soon. God bless.